What a podcast we have for you today. This is Paul. Welcome to the podcast, Paul Goff Audio Experience and Podcast. We're going to share with you today a live snippet from the recent Dan Kennedy Mastermind in Cleveland. Um, this one is a story that I told to a member of my team on the morning of one of the days. I think it was day one about what it takes to be successful and why it's not as difficult as many people um, think it is. And it's all about stacking the odds of success in your favor and how why you know a lot of people think that you know you're in a you're in a class for example with 30 people and you think you're competing against 30 people but you're not you're probably only competing against two or three same in football the same in team sports same in business just the same in life in general um, and this whole uh, next section is all about how you stack the odds of success in your favor by just seeing the numbers differently and really getting very clear on who you're actually competing with which is a small small minority of people when you understand it it can be a great leverage point for you we get to talking about the is world versus the should world something that came up in the dan kennedy day the day before we get to talking about the customer journey and ultimately why marketers are so empathetical and they understand people and, and why that really gives them a difference when it comes to talking and communicating with customers of a business. Uh, but the major, major section you're about to hear, um, I think you'll love it. It gives you a very, very good understanding of why you're not competing against 20 business owners in your town. You're really only competing against two or three. And for all of the reasons you're about to hear um, on this podcast and audio experience, it should help you understand that business isn't, um, it's not that difficult to be successful when you really factor in who you're competing against and what then you need to do to make sure that you're in that small minority of people who do have a chance of getting in on some of the cash that's floating around out there. Um, just a reminder again, PPM Live um, is going to come on sale very soon. Uh, the web address is ppmlive23.com for you to get your tickets uh, that will be released very soon, depending upon when you listen to this podcast. They may have already been released. Head over and book your seat for the biggest event, marketing and sales event of the year for private practice owners. We're in Orlando, 19, 20, 21, and 22. Uh, we've got some huge speakers um, coming up. There'll be 350 to 400 people in the room. We'd love you to be there. Uh, wherever you are, no excuses. Flying from Australia, flying from Britain, flying from Canada, flying from Europe, um, Abu Dhabi, uh, Uruguay last year. Um, we have people from pretty much all over the world coming to these events. So come and see us. It's going to be huge. Um, we're going to have uh, a lot of fun, a lot to share with you, particularly about cash pay PT, uh, getting some of it. And if you're an insurance-based business, this is for you. We can get you that transition started. You can start thinking more positively about getting a bit more cash in your life, dropping a few insurance companies. And if you already are a cash pay business, um, then really what it takes to scale that thing. I'm going to give you a lesson across the entire three days on advanced lead generation and the magical secrets of the best cash pay PTs that I've worked with. I'll put some of them on the stage and we'll go deep into the insights of what it takes to be successful in a cash pay setting. So, all right, without further ado, let me uh, hand you over to Simon. You're going to hear from Simon, who's the MC, the Compare Hour um, events. He's going to bring up a lady called Alison Felt, who you must hear from. Alison is amazing. Everybody needs somebody like Alison Felt in their life. She is part of our community. We're very proud to have her. She's an amazing PT from uh, Washington, uh, from the Seattle area, building a fantastic pelvic floor business over there. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to, um, to co-chair, to guide her over the last four or five years and watch her grow 
uh, both personally and professionally. She comes on stage after Simon, um, says some really good things about the community that you're part of or on the outreach of if you're just listening to us. Um, and then you'll hear from me and I'll talk to you all about the uh, stacking of success in your favor by changing the, the, the number, just changing the way that you see who you're actually competing against. So uh, turn us up nice and loud and enjoy this audio clip from the Dan Kennedy Mastermind in Cleveland that we had recently. Enjoy. Again, this weekend we've had a fabulous number of guests who come along to this event, and um, it's great watching you guys make some talk and chat with the members and each other and the team. We really feel like you're part of this. So, um, I think we've got like 13 guests or something this weekend. Brilliant. Time is marching on. Uh, time to get someone else up on the stage who's going to do a far better job than me, um, someone who's far more entertaining, far more engaged. And uh, an absolutely fantastic person. And this is going to sound really weird, and I don't mean it to, but we haven't had a 3 a.m. call for a while, have we? Yeah. At the room, the 19th of the room, we're going, what? Are they talking about? So, this person, um, Tim, this is Sam, I'd love to call with you. It's at 11 a.m. UK time, which is 3 a.m. my time. And you'd be there in your garage, yeah, plenty of coffee and having a call, and it was amazing. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome to stage the wonderful Alison Feld. Um, well, I'm Alison Feld. I live in the Seattle area, tattoo clinics there. Usually, when I'm on stage lately, I'm teaching people how to poop, so this is a nice change of pace. Um, and um, yeah, so I have two clinics. I started with Paul in 2017, and then, you know, went through the loops, and I'm just so beyond grateful for this community, um, for everyone, for Simon. These calls with Simon, he first convinced me to hire my first employee, who's still here today with me, Devin, um, and she's helped me grow this business from day one. Since then, we've been through a lot of employees, learned a lot of lessons, of course, um, but it's just been a beautiful ride, and everyone on this team, on Paul's team, um, has been absolutely amazing. If you're not a member, you, no one can tell you what you're missing because you just, you won't know. And it's these stories, everyone's gonna have their own stories, everyone has their own desires. So whether you want multiple clinics or you want freedom, my life right now is all for freedom. I really truly joined Paul's community because I wanted a third baby and I knew that the only way I could convince my husband to have a third baby is if we had more money. And um, so I was like, I'm gonna learn how to make some money. And that is what I've done, and it's been absolutely amazing, and I've had the freedom. I was out of the clinic, I think, for two years, and we still grew um, as I've been home with my daughter, um, my third kid, who's going to be two this year, or two this month, actually. And um, yeah, so it's been a beautiful journey, and I couldn't have made these decisions um, alone, and watching people make all these mistakes around me and knowing I wasn't going to make those mistakes has saved me all the money that I've never spent with Paul, um, and it's invaluable. <laughs> um, so it's, it's great to learn these lessons and to be around people, and I, I count my blessings for Paul every single day. He is worth everything, um, and I don't miss a CEO meeting because it's like finding childcare and organizing my kids at home is so much, it's a lot of work, of course, um, but the sacrifice of doing that, to show up and just sit in a meeting for two days, I'm in CEO, so to sit in a meeting for two days for the last three and a half years um, has been absolutely worth every single second of it. Um, so if you're not part of this community, highly recommend it. 
join if you are. I'm never leaving. My, my employees say they're body motion for life, and I say I'm probably Paul for life, um, because I just keep making more and more money and helping more and more people. And uh, it's really, truly, you know, I'm talking about money, but like at the end of the day, I had a mission, and we help, we're a pelvic health clinic. We help people through fertility, pregnancy, uh, postpartum, and menopause, and we do it in ways that a lot of people don't. Um, and so to be able to spread this mission and not just help people in our area now, but help people all over, thousands and thousands of people, has been, I'm so fulfilled. It's more fulfilling than I could ever imagine or ever get from any sort of wealth. Um, it is such an amazing journey. And so to be around people um, that are also on these journeys to fulfill their missions uh, is priceless. So I thank you all so much. I'm so grateful for all of our connections. Um, and yeah, Paul, thank you for everything you do. I don't know where he is. But, um, where is he? Oh, hi. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, giving my family this life, and helping all my patients and people we affect because of what you've given me. So, thank you. Honest, honestly, when I approached Dan to do this, I said, I want you to do exactly what I went to 10 years ago. And truthfully, I went back and found all of the marketing, right? I swear, I went back and found all of the marketing in my emails from 10 years ago. And I, and I looked at it, even the zero to million, I picked everything, exactly what it was, all of the content, all of the topic. Obviously, we, had, we added the afternoon session to be relevant for you. But that morning session was a session that I sat through 10 years ago. And I walked out and I was like, holy shit. Like, what the fuck just happened? Literally, right? I, I'm, I'm, there I am thinking I'm doing nice in life and I'm doing well and I'm a physio and running this practice and I'm making decent money. And um, I don't think... Um, I, but yeah, I did have Harry. Harry was, was um, you know, was four weeks or whatever he was. And I'm like, what the fuck is this, right? Who is this guy and what like Swahili does he speak, right? Because I ain't had none of this stuff in my life. And I wonder how many people were in that room that day. I often think like this. How many people were in that room that day who got the same information as me, who, who got, the, you know, had a pen in their hand and took notes, who went away and did absolutely nothing, probably fought with some of it, didn't agree with it, can't be like this, shouldn't be like this, isn't like this, this is not what I was told, and spent years fighting that type of thing versus somebody like me who just goes, fuck this. Like, that, that, I don't know what it is, but I just know it's, it's, there's a direction there that I need to go in. And life pretty much changed from that day. And, I, and I, I've kind of alluded to the story when I got back from Chicago. I remember saying to Natalie, she said, how did it go? I said, I have no words for what I've just seen, but I know life has just changed. Life has just changed. I, I just saw a path, I saw a, a different way of thinking. And that given everything that we do, right, every action you've got today is because of the way you think, period, right? That's it. There isn't any more important thing than to rewire those things, to rewire the false beliefs, all of the safety things, all of the parental things that have been passed on, all with love, all well-meaning, all fabulous, all perfectly normal, wonderful things that we all do as parents. But that's a level of safety that most of us are trying to get to. Most of our parents just want us to be safe. Our friends just want us to be safe. Family just want us to be safe. If you want that next thing, then there is a contrarian view of the world that is, um, that is needed. So I've got, a few, you know, I've got a few thoughts that I thought I would go through this morning. A couple of questions that have been asked. Um, I wanted to start with this. And um, this actually came up yesterday. I was walking around the sign and we went for a coffee. And I started to talk to him. I love having a little walk and a coffee with people because you, you get some really good conversations out. And I, and I got to talking about Dan and Simon asked me about him and various things. And I said, um, somehow we got to talking about success, right? And I said, you know what? 
I said this success thing is not as difficult as it, as it appears, right? And here's why. When you're, and I'll do my best to explain it. When you're a kid, you get put in a class, right? Follow along here. You get put in a classroom, right? And there's 30 people. And you think, shit, 30 people, wow. Like, th these other 30 people are gonna be a lot cleverer than me, right? Just natural instinct tells you that you're never the best, you're never good enough. That's natural, by the way. Perfectly normal, survival, safety instinct. These kids are gonna be better than me, and I, I'm never gonna be top of the class, right? How can I be top of the class in a, in a class with 30 people, right? I'm seven at this point. Then I go to, to big school, right? High school or secondary school in England, and now there's 250 kids, right? And it's like, holy shit, I'm definitely not gonna be top of the class for 250 kids, right? And then at 16, I go out into the world. In England, we leave school, or you're 18 here, whatever. And I start seeing all of these people competing for jobs, right? Now I'm dealing with millions. I'm like, shit, I'm, how am I gonna be like this 1% thing? How am I gonna be one of these, right? I couldn't even get it right in the top 30. I couldn't get it right in the top 250. I wasn't the best. I wasn't the top of the class in any of these things. Now I'm in the big, big bad world at university. Now there's thousands of these fuckers kicking around. I'm definitely not top of the class of thousands, right? And then I go apply for jobs and it's like, shit, millions of people could apply for this job. Wow, look at all of these people, right? On the news, look at all these people. I, I, I travel around the world and I see all these people. What chance have I got of being successful? Some version of that has happened to you. Not, not exactly framed like that, but what we get to a point of is somewhere in our 20s, we look around the world and we go, shit, look at all these people, right? I have this aspiration to be successful. I have this aspiration to be somebody, but I can't beat all of these millions. In fact, billions of people. Seven billion people on the planet. How the hell am I gonna get a bit of this money that's flown around, right? There's seven billion people competing for this money, this, this lifestyle, these houses, these private jets, these cars, whatever. I'm not getting a piece of this because there's too many people after this. You've all had those thoughts in one way or another. This is the bit I explained to Simon. There are seven billion people on the planet, right? And when we start to rip it back and we go, sadly, probably five billion of those people would never be in the, the, the conversation for anything that you want to do, just because of where they live, situation, circumstances beyond their control, just horrible countries that they live in, dictators, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's, there's just no way that you're competing with that crowd. So then you go, right, we now start to narrow this down to a couple of billion people. Still a lot of people, right? But then I start to go, well, I've got these people who are retired and I've got these people who are kids, right? So I'm not competing with them either. So do you see what I'm doing? So I'm starting to stack this, right? And I'm going, all right, there might be a billion left, right? Somewhere in the middle, that's still a lot of people, but I've stacked it from seven to one. So the odds of starting to go in my favor a bit more now. So I've got a billion people. Then I go, well, actually, these people in these other countries, they're, they're actually nothing to do with me, right? So if I'm in the US and there's 200, what, what is there, 250 million, give or take, right? However many people, probably 30 million somewhere else that Biden doesn't want you to know, but that's another story for another day, right? So let's say we got, same in England, by the way, we've got 250 million people. If I, if I approach this in the US, 60 million, let's, the numbers are gonna be wrong, but let's just play along. 60 million have retired, 60 million of kids. So I'm not competing with these two. They're not trying to get some, and they're, they're not ready to get some. So I've got 60 million, 60 million, I'm down to 120 million. So the odds have gone from 7 billion to 120. Then when I apply this next test, how many of them are actually willing to do anything over and above what they've been taught in school? Right, 120 million 
120 million probably went to about 12 million. I'm probably competing with 12 million. Then I start to go, okay, like it's, this is still a lot of people, but this is starting to swing right back in my favor now. Now what's the differentiator gonna be? Well, how do I start stacking the odds in my favor that I'm gonna get a bit of this? 12 million, I can, I can go against 12 million with a better work ethic, thinking differently, actually doing some shit that I'm told to do, being courageous, being confident in who I am, understanding who I am. Instead of playing on Facebook, reading books, observing, not being emotional around things, what do I need to do? What, what does my behavior pattern need to look like that these 12 million are not gonna do? Because 12 million, 1%, right? There is a lot of people in the United States who invest in themselves. It's a wonderful country. It's the, the reason I came to the United States. The, the Brits will tell you, it's very stoic. Like, we, we don't do that. It's not cool to do it. Like, the, the, the general feeling in the UK is it's like, it, it's, why would you want to do that? Why would you invest in a program? Why would you read a book? Why would you, self-development? There's like one shelf in Barnes & Noble or the equivalent somewhere with like three books on it from fucking, you know, 1982. That's the sum size of the personal development fucking section in the United Kingdom, right? So it isn't, it isn't cool to do it. So I'm going, hang on, I'm down to 12 million that these 12 million people, I'm in the US, are investing in themselves, great. These guys are interested, right? These guys are warming up, right? We're all in the game together and we're all gonna have a fight, if you like, we're all gonna go at it. I want a piece of this money that's floating around. I want a piece of this lifestyle, this freedom, this, this wonderful life that I've been promised. Well, 12 million of those people, even though they're investing in themselves, sadly, 90% will do jack shit with it. Nothing. Zip, nada, not one difference will be made. They will go to the seminar and they will argue with the person speaking at the seminar. Again, I live in the, I'm gonna get onto this in a minute. I live in the is world, not the should be world. They will go to the seminar and argue with everything that they've been told, because it conflicts the 25 or 30 years opinions, beliefs that they've got. Even though those opinions and those beliefs, which form your thoughts, haven't got them to a place that they want to be. So much so that they come to the seminar in the hope of finding change because they're not happy with said position in life, they will fight with everything that they hear. Then all sorts of excuses, even if they like what they hear, all sorts of excuses get in the way. Can't do this because I'm different this, I've got these kids, we've got this issue at home, my town is different, my parents this, my wife this, my husband that, my kids, all this bollocks comes out. So then you realize I'm actually probably competing with 1.2 million. In a world where trillions of dollars exist, there is enough cash floating around for 1.2 million of us to share it. That's, that's the day in my head that things, when I, I realized that about five or six years ago, I'm not fighting with seven billion people. I'm not fighting with 250 million. I'm not fighting with 120. I'm not even fighting with 90% of the people who show up at the seminar, because candidly they won't do shit. Present company excluded, of course. <laughs> they won't do it. That's the bit that I hope you take back. That is your ultimate advantage. You are not fighting with everybody around you. You are fighting with such a small pocket of people for a chunk of this change, for, for a bit of this money that's floating around, a bit of this lifestyle that's moving around. You view, it isn't all of these people. It's not all of this stuff that you see on the news. It's got nothing to do with the, the size of the world and the population and you know, however many other people are trying to get their hands on it. Because candidly, they're not trying to get their hands on it. There's not one ounce of their day, their life, their thinking, their behavior, nothing nothing with a capital N that suggests that they really want a piece of the action. They say they want a piece, 
one of my mentors would say, very, very, um, there's a, a lot of people who are willing to speak ambition. Speak ambition. That's what I want. I want to be this. I want to do this. I would like to do this. And I want to get some money. And I want to do X. And I want to do Y. There's no book in their hands on a plane. Tetrises are fucking angry birds. And that's just in business class. It's laughable sitting in business class watching the fuckers. It's like, ideally, you're supposed to do a bit of work, right? Like, all right, again, not everybody, right? But there's very few people sat there with a laptop actually doing any work. It's a great excuse to fucking get on angry birds for most people with their feet up. It doesn't make any sense. And yet it's wonderful, liberating when you actually get your head around it. You're not competing with all of these people. You are literally in a league of one when you start to think differently, behave differently, act differently, and understand that all of these people around you, it's fake ambition. Politically correct? Absolutely not. Is it possible that anybody could go at it? Yeah. I argue with my mom all the time. She goes, oh, not everybody can be rich. I say, yeah, but they can all have a fucking go. In, the, in a free world, which we are in the United States, in the United Kingdom, in the Western world, everybody can have a go. That, that, is that not the premise of the United States? That's why I'm here. Everybody can have a go. They can at least try, but they don't. Their habits, their behaviors, their thinking, the people that they surround themselves with, what they do the night before bed, their promises to do X, their promises to do Y. They're, uh, I'm better than this, I'm bigger than this, I don't need this, and all that bollocks. Great, good for you. It's all getting in the way of progress that you could be making to get some of the action. And it's why I, I say it's not as difficult as people think. I would say this to my kids. This, is, this, is, this would be their first lesson. The minute that they can compute this shit, this is going into their heads. You're not dealing with 30 kids, son. You're dealing with three. Best, at best, you're dealing with three. You're not dealing with 250. At best, you're dealing with 10. When you go, whatever they want to do, they want to be soccer players, they want to be whatever. You're not dealing with fucking 15 kids who are competing for your spot. You're probably competing against three out of those 15. Just be better than those three. Whatever they're going to do, do it a bit more. Do it a bit better. But don't worry about all of these kids. Don't worry about all of these business owners. Don't worry about these 26 business owners in your town. They're not even close to doing what you're doing. They're not even close to thinking like what you're thinking. You've come this far. What will you do next? And I hope it gives you a little bit of an insight, a little bit of a kick up the ass as to how close you fucking are to getting into some of this action. But again, a lot of this stems from belief, changing thoughts. Absolutely, will some of that stuff have challenged you yesterday? Holy shit. Yeah? Will it have, have uh, possibly caused a little bit of, I don't like this? Yeah, probably. Good. Visceral reactions to certain things? Good. That's the next thing. I think you're going to have to get very, very good. I pushed him yesterday on the criticism thing. I wanted to save it. I, I can't see past how your next step, knowing you guys as well as I do, you're all doing so well, but you all want a bit more of the action. I can't help but think that the next step for you guys is to learn to deal with that criticism, to deal with the, I'm going to live a life a, a little bit different, not in a big-headed way, not in an arrogant way, not in a flash way, just in a way that says, I've got a finite amount of time on this planet and I'm having a right good fucking go. And if you don't get the joke, good for you. I, I can still love you, I can still be your friend, I can still be X, I can still be Y, but I'm not hanging around in this world. This is the world that I want to go and get a piece of. There's no such thing, right? People, again, all of the bollocks that's going on in society, everyone's getting offended at this and offended at that, and you can't say this because you're offended. There's, candidly, brutally, there's no such thing as being offended. What there is, is taking offense. And that's an individual decision for any individual to do. But the news, everybody's offended. They're fucking not. They're absolutely not everybody's offended. It's not possible. Everybody's lost their money. They haven't. 
Everybody's not going to do it. They haven't. It's not true. Offense is, is at my level, right? And equally, so you have to understand that, that person that you might be offending, by the way, with the way that you live, the way that you think, the way that you act, the way you raise your kids, the way that you raise your kids will offend possibly your parents. Because it probably violates how they brought you up, right? And so it should offend them. But all it's doing is calling into question whether or not you think what they did was good enough, right? That's not your problem is what I'm trying to say. It is not your problem, but you're making it your problem. It's not my fucking issue. If my mother doesn't agree with the way I raised my kids, good. But it also doesn't mean that she raised a bad one. Well, she might have done, right? <laughs> depending, depending upon what context sometimes, right? Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, that she did anything wrong. Uh, far from it, but she might take it that way. You're going to have to go on a, on a journey that you will irritate everybody. You will violate all sorts of their thinking and their thoughts and their beliefs and everything else. And if you can't deal with that, wrap up now. Because you'll, you'll, you'll know you'll need to make the decision and you won't do it. You'll know you need to raise your prices and you won't. You'll know you need to go and work for the weekend and you won't. You'll know you'll need to go home and do something. That just means that the thing that you might have been doing that night can't take place because something's come up. But if you're worried about what your mother-in-law thinks or your kid thinks or whatever, like, it'll always get in the way. Offense is taken at the individual level, not at the society-wide level, but that's how everybody wants you to, to think and believe. Oh, this is offensive, it fucking, who to? Who to? The journalist that's fucking reporting on it. Right, and that's the sad, that's the sad reality of what's going on, right? Next point. I got asked yesterday, how does Dan understand people so well? First of all, he's a marketer. I've said this before. To be a successful marketer, it's empathy. What most healthcare professionals are is compassionate. There is two wildly different things. Most healthcare professionals, please take this the right way in a room full of healthcare professionals, are not empathetical. What's the number one problem in healthcare? You go on any website to do with any big hospital system, what is the number one complaint? Communication. They won't say empathy. The patients don't know what empathy is. They feel it, but they couldn't say empathy. What they'll say is a lack of communication. You didn't explain to me in a way that I needed it to be explained as it pertains to me. That's empathy. Empathy is me understanding exactly who you are, what you need, and what you want. Having spent 10 weeks in fucking intensive care in six different wards and however many different hospitals, I can tell you it does not exist. No wonder people come out of those places with their heads ready to blow up. Not one person had any empathy, not one. Compassion in abundance, beautiful, amazing. Complete compassion for everything that we were going through. Empathy, none. You need to understand the difference. Marketers are empathetical. They understand how people think, how they act, which is why you can sit there and go, in month one after a divorce, there's tears and there's joy. In month two after a divorce, it's start doing all of the things he wouldn't let me do. You might not like the sound of some of these things, but they are true, like that's what is happening. Month four, I start to look around, I start to do X, then I realize this. I don't like hearing some of this stuff, but it's true. <laughs> it's what they do, it's what happens, it's what my mother did. That's why I'm laughing, so I'm like, you, do you know my mom? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly what happened, to a T. But Dan could do that in every industry with every individual that you'll come across. He does it and he gets it because he's a marketer and, and he'll study people. At the heart of all good marketers is an understanding of who people are, what they want, what pushes their buttons, how to talk individually to this person versus that person because 
the marketer understands that every individual has a different set of circumstances. What the journalist does, and here's my point, the journalist that influences the world batches everybody into one group. Let's get them all to think like this. They all should do this. Everybody should do X, everybody should do Y, right? It takes me to my next point. Um, the is world versus the should world, right? Write that down, is world versus the should world. The should world, underneath it, write media and politics. The is world, write marketer. The marketer lives, the business owner has to live in the is world. This is the way people think, this is the way that they act, this is what they do. The should world is politics and journalists. People should behave like this, people should think like this, people should do this, people should be grateful, people should vote, people should, shall I keep going? People should be offended by this thing. And they're fucking not, because they live in the is world. It is like this, they do think like this. Some of it might not be nice when you hear it because it goes against your beliefs, right? But that is what they do, that is how they think. And the closer that you get to the is world, unless everybody being rank and filed into this should world, which is, what's going on and what they're trying to do. The world is being run by journalists and media people. They're thick, they don't understand empathy. They don't understand how people think, what really is driving them, what really is motivating them. As Dan would say, two o'clock in the morning, right? The story will always tell you. At two o'clock in the morning, you'll know who, you know who your customer is, your mother is, your father is, your friend is, your brother is, your sister is, who you are at two o'clock in the morning. When that fucking thing starts to go off in your head, which it does all of us, at two o'clock in the morning, and you get up and you trot down those stairs, you open the fridge, and you go and get the glass of milk, and you sit at the table in the cold, dark night at two o'clock in the morning. Whatever's going on in your head at two o'clock in the morning, that's the is world. And, and that's made more likely to happen at two o'clock in the morning because of conflicting views from the should world. It's a head fuck for people. I, I, I believe this and I think, but then I go on TV and it's, they're telling me to think like this and oh my God, apparently everybody believes that. And apparently everybody thinks like this. Oh shit, well I, I better get in that pack. Even though I know it's not true. I know it's all right to be rich and I know it's all right to have a fucking great life and I know it's all right to enjoy life and raise my kids without fucking fear and whatever else. I know it's all right to do this, but I don't. Because everywhere I look, the should world is telling me that that's not right. And there's some bastard in a fucking CNN studio or fucking Fox studio or BBC website has decided that that's how they want you to think. The should world, this poly fucking perfect world for everybody that will never ever happen. How much progress are they making at it by the way? Fuck, it, it, it's, it's worse every fucking year in terms of its division and people's views. No wonder people are, I don't even wanna say the word. Like their brains must just be blowing up with this level of conflict between the is world, what I believe to be true, what I want for my life, what I want for my kids, how I wanna behave, how much money I wanna make, how much time I wanna spend at work, who I wanna hang out with, what I wanna dress like, if I wanna fucking swear, if I wanna go to church or not go to church, whatever, like whatever it is, there's this thing over here that I know to be true. But then I get all of this over here that conflicts with all of that. Somewhere in the middle is people's brains blowing up. That's, that's your shot at life, gone. You'll never ever be yours, it'll never be one you control, it'll never be one you feel good about, not consistently. There'll be fleeting moments when it goes your way. When the should world allows and likes your is world opinion, everything's sweet. The minute it doesn't, poof, fireworks. You're gonna have to have some balls to live in that, that is world if you're planning on making it. 
is weld versus should weld. Everything you will hear today, ask yourself, is not necessarily here, news, Facebook, conversations. When you go back to the real world, right, to that, that fucking shit that's going on out there, it's 99% it's should weld, everybody you speak to. So be really, really careful with it. Um, so that's what I've got. We start the day off on a high note, <laughs> positive and upbeat. Um, but again, it's, it's true, it's, uh, it's what you really need to hear. It's what you really need to hear. I was trying to explain it to Nick. The impact that, that people like Dan, by the way, I've got like Dan times 10 or 12 in my corner. The, there's people I'm rolling out now, I'm bringing another one of my mentors to PPM Live, I'll announce him after, after the break. There's people in my life that, honestly, they've just shifted my thinking, whether it's practical skills, life skills, enjoyment skills, that I could share with you and will continue to do so. Um, Dan is just one of many. Like, just, he was just the first. He was the one that just set me off on the, oh, wow, this is, this is different, I kind of like this. And I just kept going and going um, and going. And interestingly, what he said yesterday about the tax return, I think that was my favorite, my favorite line, show me your tax return, right? <laughs> but he's where, he's where, this is where, right? This is where Dan wouldn't go this far with you, but I will. What you have to be able to do then is go, that's a wonderful principle and I love it, and it's true. Show me your tax returns. I'm not taking any fucking advice off you. If you're earning X and I want to earn Y, right? Lots of opinions, but no money, right? That was the phrase. But equally, I've applied that to happiness, relationships, father, like every area, every area of my life. I'm not taking advice from you, take this the right way, on my relationship with Natalie, if you've been divorced four times. If you're one of those truckers, I am not asking you for relationship advice, right? That is not, that's just not the way it's gonna, it's not the way it's gonna go down. But if I've been around you for long enough, I go, do you know what? There's something about Xavier. I just love his relationship. I'd love, I'd love to, to know about how him and his wife, like that, that just, there's just magic there and I've watched it for long enough. I might say, do you know what? What, what? What's different there? What do you do differently? Tell me this. What about this? And what about that? What, what are you talking about, right? He literally like spooked me. He said, what are you, what are you talking about? I went, what do you mean? He said, he said um, we, we're all insurance. We can't move to cash. Like we, we don't do cash. And I'm going, Shit, right? Have I prepared an entire day and am I in a state that legally, honestly, this is the naivety. I'm like, am I in a state that legally can't do cash PT, right? And I'm presenting to them all day about, you know, this thing called cash PT. And this dude, right, was just, he, he, he just couldn't believe it was like the Dan thing, what Swahili is this, right? Like this guy talks about cash pay PT and he's like, but nobody in Washington pays cash pay PT. Like it's just not what goes on here. Like why are you even speaking about this stuff? And it spooked me for a little while. The day went on, um, the day went on, and I think it was all right. Um, by the end of it, a few people come up and said some nice things, and then this lady comes up to me, and I'm sat there at the table, I'm minding my own business, just happy talking to people, and I thought, here we go, right? This lady comes over, and she'd obviously had a few drinks. <laughs> she'd obviously had a few drinks, let's just leave it at that. You know when you can see red wine on the lips, and like, <laughs> That's either the makeup gone wrong or she's been drinking lots of red wine as this day goes on, right? I'll leave it to Jen to tell you which one, right? But she got close enough that I could smell the red wine anyway, right? Um, <laughs> and she didn't even say hello, um, like nice talk or anything like that. It was just, I have a question, right? And it's like Tobias these days, he's like, I have a question, right? So let me tell you a quick story. We went to Tottenham last week to the football stadium, right? I've got to share this one with you. Sorry, Jen. 
just this will take me 60 seconds. Um, we went to the Tottenham Stadium last week. Tottenham Stadium in London is fabulous, right? And they've built this thing at the top where you can walk around. So you can go up, like, however high, it's huge, isn't it, right? And you can see the whole of London. So they strap you in, and it's like walking around this little like, extra step. You know, they've built this like, two-foot step that you can walk along and see the stadium from the top and look out onto London and all these things, right? So the guy's like, energetically explaining how wonderful this thing is and like, why people do it and all these things, right? So my six-year-old sat there. And at the end, he says, has anybody got any questions, right? Nobody asks a question, right, except Tobias. So Tobias politely puts his hand up, and he says, I have a question. Why would anybody want to do that? <laughs> he literally said that, right? But the, the guy didn't understand it, right? And that's what made it funnier. He said, well, because it's a nice view up there, and it's like, you know, you, you get to say you did it, and you get your picture taken. And Tobias went, I have another question. I still don't understand why anybody would like to do that. <laughs> and the point, right, this guy was communicating at the logical level, and Tobias was at the emotional level of like, why the fuck would anybody want to strap themselves in and walk around a stadium, right? A six-year-old can't work out why you would ever want to do that, right? <laughs> it's such a beautiful, like, innocent, gorgeous moment, right? But it made it even more funnier, the fact that the dude didn't get what he was really saying, and he completely answered the wrong question by selling the features of it, not addressing the safety aspect of it, that the six-year-old was thinking, shit, I ain't going up there, because I might fall off, right? <laughs> That's what he was really thinking. Like, why would you do that? Like, I, I, I don't get it. Um, so anyway, the point is, when somebody asks, I have a question, right? You're like, oh, okay, here we go. And she said to me, um, of all of the people here today, how many will actually do what you've just said that they should do? And I looked at her very bluntly and I said about five. If, 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 if it's a good day, five. Five people out of 170 would have, have, so again, right, all of these numbers, they start to stack up. You go, there's 170 in the room, 140 are there just for a piss up, right? A, a British term for a, a drink, right? They're just there because it's the, the conventional party that, that like, gets put on every year. So 140 of them, they're out, right? So this is where you start to apply what I told you this morning, right? That's your, like, it's not 7 billion, it's not 30 in the class, there's three. So of 170 private practice owners, 140 to 150, they're out, right? They're just ticking boxes to say that they've been to the event. 25, uh, let's see what this guy has to say. I kind of know I need to do this. I'm in a little bit of pain. Yeah, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong, maybe he's full of shit. He swears a lot, that's good enough for me not to do it, right? They'll come up with some stupid thing like that where it's like, well, I just didn't like the way he delivered it. Yeah, but it's the winning lottery tickets. Yeah, but like, I just didn't like the way he said the six numbers. I'm not, I'm not having it. But it's the numbers. Now, and they're in conflict over how it was delivered, right? So now I'm left with about seven or eight. Two or three genuinely think that they're gonna do it. They get in the office on Monday morning, there's a crisis, there's a drama, everything I said's out the window. I'm left with about five. There's one in the room, right? So that's my story with Jen. Thank you for listening to Paul Goff's audio experience. If you're brand new to Paul's world, head on over to paulsmarketingbook.com where you can get started with his number one best-selling marketing book for physical therapists. Or if you've been listening to the show for a while, you like what you hear and you think that you could benefit from this type of help to accelerate the growth and profitability of your practice, reach out to Paul's team at paul at paulgoff.com and tell us exactly what you're looking for. 
And by the way, if you know someone who would benefit from today's show, please share it with them. And if you've got any questions that you want answered, tweet Paul at the Paul Goff using the hashtag AskPG. You can also find all of these details over in today's show notes. All right, until next time, have a wonderful day.